Welcome to the Multiverse of Badness podcast, ruining classic and obscure comics. For our listeners since 2021, this is Mike here, along with my adorable co-host, straight out of Swansea, it's Zach. How are you today, Zach? Honestly, I've got to say, I'm pretty sure these comic books ruined themselves, or at least <laughs> the writers ruined these. Thanks, Stanley. That's right, I said it. Ah, uh, yeah, Stanley. He's done a lot for comics from a historical standpoint, but some of the storytelling leaves a little bit to be desired. And this, Mob Squad, is one of those cases because we are going back all the way to 1963, November, as a matter of fact, to review. Journey into Mystery 98, where we are introduced to the Human Cobra. Who is only mentioned as the Human Cobra on the cover. He is called the Cobra throughout the entire book. <laughs> he is. He also, for the record, looks like a cut-rate G.I. Joe villain. But he is facing off, as one usually does in Journey into Mystery, against the Mighty Thor. Is this the first legitimate Thor appearance of the Multiverse of Badness? I believe it is. Hey, welcome to the show, Don. I want to just get into the cover <laughs> of this book straight away. You know I love good cover details. Yes. So Stanley, right, talking about his writing. Again, we can't discredit the golden work he has done building uh, superhero comics and just comics as an industry. But mm, his writing, it says on the cover of the book, this is a book for children, Mob Squad. Keep this in mind. <laughs> Think you have troubles? Wait to see what happens to Thor when he meets the human cobra. What fucking troubles do kids have? Well, I know the trouble Don Blake has, and it's with his girlfriend, Jane Foster, because leading into this, can you explain to the Mob Squad the four panels in... <laughs> we had to actually go back. <laughs> the four panels in Journey into Mystery 97 that lead into Thor literally throwing a big hissy fit. He does throw a massive hissy fit right at the top of this book, and that is because of the last four panels in Journey into Mystery 97, as Mike said. It, oh, God. Right. It really kind of sets up a world in which nurses are forced into romantic relations with the doctors they work for. Yeah, pretty much. And also, it just completely emasculates the mighty Thor's alter ego here. <laughs> to explain to the mob squad... First off, this is actually Jane Foster. This is your lady Thor in Thor Love and Thunder. But here she is simply a nurse. Hey, yeah, 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 simply a nurse. You know, you maybe didn't do this in America, but during the pandemic on Thursdays, we went outside and we clapped for our key workers. <laughs> well, in this book, she is treated <laughs> as simply a nurse as oh, well yeah, no, as oh, a absolutely. piece of meat. And she goes off to tell Donald Blake... Dr. Andrews drove me to the suburbs, looked after me. A woman wants a man, Dr. Blake, not a timid mouse. And so I'm leaving. So with that, Jane Foster is leaving Donald Blake, the mighty Thor, for a real man. <laughs> a real man with a mustache like that. Yeah, forget about it. He's got one of them little drawn-on-with-a-pencil-on-the-top-lip jobbies. Never trust a man like that. And also, a mouse that is a doctor theoretically, would be way more impressive than just a man. Well, you know what is really impressive to me? The fucking durability of this filing cabinet that the mighty <laughs> Thor has swung his hammer and hits and doesn't even knock it over. This is a hammer of literally the gods, Robert Plant style, and he hits this with all his might because he's 
pissed off. Violet Cabinet doesn't even fall over. I love that the end of 97, he is Don Blake. and the beginning of this, he is full mighty Thor. Which leads me to believe, as Jane Foster and Dr. Dickhead closed the door, he went, <laughs> banged his mallet on the ground, because he does refer to it as a mallet a few times in this book, Mob Squad. He bangs his mallet <laughs> on the ground, goes full Thor, and just wrecks his own fucking office. Yeah, he's not in a good mood. And he's just pissed <laughs> off about having to be the Thor... He's like, I have to do what Odin says. And Odin brings him back and's like, hey, buddy, don't let your heart be broken by a woman. And Thor's like, oh, I'm going to go on vacation. So absolutely, like the this whole bit really pissed me off because he does allude to the fact that he is Thor means that he can't be with Jane Foster because he has his obligations to Odin. And Odin, who is really responsible for his son's heartbreak, goes, come to Asgard, son. I have something to tell you. <laughs> Thor gets to Asgard, he goes, oh, mate, cheer the fuck up. Now, fuck <laughs> off. He literally goes to Asgard to get told to cheer up. <laughs> Pretty much so. But thankfully, Thor has a mind of his own. So he has decided he is going to go off to a far off land and leave Thor behind, at least temporarily. He chooses India. Well, at that point in time, you know what's happening in India. Can you explain to the Bob Squad? I can, luckily, which is uh, very rare for this podcast if you have listened to previous episodes. So there is a doctor, Dr. Schechter, I believe, working in India uh, with his repugnant little sidekick, Klaus. He's working on a cobra anti-venom. So if people were to get bitten by cobras, they could obviously be less bitten by cobras. <laughs> and just so happens, as coincidence for coincidence sake, he just so happened to be Don Blake's lecturer in the university. He did. And as Don Blake pulls up, he hears that his one-time professor is dying. The people of India are very sad. What could have happened? Well, let's explain to the Multiverse of Badness exactly why the doctor died. It wasn't an accidental snake bite. His sidekick, Klaus, is no Robin to our doctor's Batman. No, he has had the doctor bitten by a cobra snake, refused him the antidote, but decided, hey, I'm going to have myself bitten as well because I don't want to arise any suspicion, but he decides to give himself the antidote. So now you would think, oh, okay, well, the sidekick is going to be fine, but little did we know, the snake was radioactive, and boy, do we have problems now. Oh, yes, I do. And they're mainly with Stanley's storytelling. <laughs> why does everything have to be radioactive? And why did just repugnant little Klaus, uh, the bald-headed sniveling shit, I can say that because I am bald, <laughs> and a sniveling shit, he, he I, I forgot the point I was making. No, how did just Klaus get the snake-like radioactive powers when uh, Dr. Schechter just got really ill. Well, I believe it's because he gave himself the medication to heal himself and he refused the doctor the medication. So if the doctor got the medication, he would grow up to have snake powers? Probably, yeah. Oh, lovely. That's nice to know. Yeah, it is. But, all <laughs> <laughs> but as the doctor's literally dying on his bed, we have now Thor not Donald Blake, show up to his bedside. And the doctor, and this is a line that I love because this needs to be remembered for later in the story. Talking about his assistant, he says he is untalented. Remember that because that is not 100% true later in the book. Actually happens to be 
quite clever. Very clever indeed, because where did he get his elaborate snake costume from? He decides he's a villain and literally jumps out the window. He's in full G.I. Joe snake gear. (laughs) He is. And not only is he in snake gear, he is going full Cobra Commander and saying, I'm going to do some wicked shit. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create fucking Cobra. I'm going to get anti-venom for everyone in the world, have them bitten by radio sna- radioactive snakes, and create my own Cobra army. So I have to check again. We said it was 63, the release date of this book. Yes. Oh, so while you were saying that, I did a bit of research. G.I. Joe, 1964 release. Oh, That's when the toys started coming out. They stole Cobra Commander from this goddamn awful journey into mystery. <laughs> Well, they did it so much better because as our villain, the Cobra, he's trying to scare executives into giving him more anti-venom. Thor shows up, and now we have a ruckus on our hands. And as you mentioned about the elaborate snake costume, not only did he have time to create a snake costume, he created Cobra darts that he shot at Thor. He also created (laughs) Cobra gas that he tried to knock Thor out with. But most impressively, he created the unbreakable Cobra Cord that even the mighty (laughs) Thor is unable to get out of. It's the fucking instant rope gun all over again. I did like the idea, though, for his Cobra gas, as it wasn't actually a knockout gas. It was evaporated Cobra venom. So essentially, you would inhale the venom and it would kill you that way, which I thought was a pretty gnarly uh, weapon. Then realizing that wasn't just Thor in that room, there were mortals. And also, Thor came in through the fucking window. That would just evaporate. They're in a well-ventilated area. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what impresses me is after tying Thor up in the Cobra cord, Cobra just takes Thor and throws him out the window, Swansea style, into the street. Is this another window, actually? That's a very good point. He's coming through one window and being thrown out the other. It's like um, Turner de Century all over again when he went entirely through that cafe. <laughs> oh, J.M.D. Mateus, we could have used your storytelling here because this is atrocious. Donald Blake... J.M.D.M.S. Mateus. <laughs> As in, rock me, D. Mateus. So... We then have Donald Blake out in the street because, as you remember at this time, if Thor's away from his hammer for 60 seconds, I believe, he turns into Donald Blake. He's small enough to get out of the cord now, and he just literally walks by the Cobra to pick up (laughs) what I assume to be his stick, though it actually says it's his hammer, and turns back into the Thor. And our fight is back on our hands. It was a nice little uh, breather in the middle of this fight that he just managed to get a bit ropey, go out a window, come back, and he's like, right, carry on. He does get wombed, though. Not W-O-M-B-E-D, but W-H-O-O-M exclamation mark. Stan the man you were slacking on your uh, onomatopoeia. Womb, there it is. Womb, there it is. He gets attacked. (laughs) The Cobra releases a liquid chemical pipe with the force of it splashing out and hitting Thor with an almighty womb. He does. And the Thor decides he's had enough of this. Why are you he, referring to him as the Thor, man? The Thor. <laughs> because there are two Thors now. There's woman okay. Thor who is in this book merely as a nurse. And there is man Thor. We haven't even touched on Beta Ray Bill Thor. And Frog Thor, who I do want to cover in a later episode. Man yeah. Thor, though, that 
I think I might legally change my name to Manthor. Well, Manthor here has decided he's going to throw his hammer by the beard of Noble Odin. Trusty hammer strike. Strike in the name of Asgard. Cobra's like, not too fast for that. <laughs> Dunumush. In all fairness, he does have very, very impressive snake-like powers, but also limbs. He is the perfect weapon. <laughs> well, sadly, Thor's hammer hits another gas thing. Gas everywhere. <laughs> Cobra escapes. And do you know where he just happens to end up? By complete happenstance. Well, he, you know, he was looking for a doctor's office for some reason. I guess looking for more chemicals to turn into snake transformation venom. I've, I'm lost tracking this, but, but he does find a doctor office. And lo and behold, it ain't nothing but your good old friend, Dr. Dickhead. Oh, and Dr. Dickhead here is showing his true colors because now in front of Jane Foster. Remember Jane. Earlier in this book, or early in the last book, was talking about what a sniveling weasel Donald Blake was. This cat's even worse. He's like, quiet, young fool. I'm going to do what the Cobra says because I don't want to die. And Jane's like, I'm going to have to save the day. She sees Thor flying by, so she takes a beaker and throws it out the window to get his attention. And the Cobra's like, I'm going to shoot your ass with my Cobra darts. Jane Foster is as good as dead, but thankfully throwing a beaker out of a window by a passing Thor, gets his attention, and he saves her life. That's, you know, his bat signal, essentially. So uh, going back to Dr. Dickhead's moustache, have you noticed in a few <laughs> panels, it comes across very Hitlery. He does look quite a bit like Hitler in a few points in this book. Yeah, but he also looks a little like Bruce Wayne, so I don't really know what's going on. Yeah, never seen Bruce Wayne and Hitler in the same room together. <laughs> See, see, yeah, we're onto something. <laughs> we're learning things. <laughs> I love learning. <laughs> so, saved from the darts, Jane is quickly grabbed by the Cobra, and Cobra's like, I'm going to take her off. He slithers away with her. Thor follows after him. Suddenly, Cobra's like, I'm just going to drop her. Drops her. Thor has to save her. Cobra's gone. That's it. <laughs> so... That, again, going back to uh, his snake-like abilities, you say he slithers away, but that's the beauty of having limbs, Mike. He can carry Jane Foster away with him as he slithers. A normal snake would have to uh, to eat. <laughs> would have to eat Jane Foster to get her away like that. So as he's slithering around the building, fair play, the Thor, man Thor, <laughs> swoops round and delivers an almighty double leg drop right to the jaw. Sends <laughs> Cobra flying Saves Jane. Jane's like, you know what, Dr. Dickhead? I want a real man. But for now, I'm going to settle for Don Blake. <laughs> Pretty much so. <laughs> That's the irony in this, is that simply within the last 24 hours, she told Donald Blake how worthless he was. She finds out Dr. Dickhead's worthless. That's cool. You think that she's going to go off with the Thor. Nah, she's going to go back to Donald Blake. I do love this last panel as well of... Uh, the cobra crawling out of a river, soggy, defeated, but thirsty for revenge. He's looking over his shoulder with a look in his eyes that says, Oh, I'll get you, man, Thor, just as soon as my leggings dry. <laughs> well, I love that it is called, he is plotting new dark deeds, and he has not done dirt cheap, sadly. So now, <laughs> beat me to it, goddammit. <laughs> Great or warped mind, sadly, but I think we're done reviewing this book. 
There is a second story in this book uh, before we jump to our full ratings and elaborations on the story, how we would make this shit palatable for the modern age. I didn't read this second story. Have you got any information that you could throw my way about this? I didn't read the second story either. It is about six pages. Looking at it, it's about an ice monster that's fighting Odin, and then Odin traps the ice monster in a wall he can never penetrate the end. Odin's fucking cool. He's so strong. (laughs) (laughs) And he's got a glorious beard, much like my co-host. For you. And also, uh, he isn't happy about his son fucking. So (laughs) this is how we got in this mess in the first place. Uh, Odin, you're a shitty dad. So with that said, (laughs) I think we're done reviewing the second story, which was a complete waste of everyone's time. We don't know. We didn't read it. It could have been awesome. No, it's a waste of time. That is a hill I am willing to die on without even knowing how high the hill is. Yeah, Stan Lee did write it, to be fair. (laughs) So, Zach, let's go ahead and ask, what would you bring from this awesome book into some other storyline, pop culture, etc.? So, there's a lot of different disparate elements going on at once that you could pick from in this book. I'm joking, there's literally just the guy with snake powers. I do like the idea, though, just to be really flippant and sarcastic, of taking the idea of a snake-based villain. You know, he's kind of got like a snaky kind of helmet to him, maybe. He wants an army of snake-themed counterparts. And what we could do is turn that into a range of 12-inch action figures. Now, these would be the bad guys, So we'd need a good guy to go up against them. They'd need to be like a military, like a GI or something, and have an all-American name, like Phil. GI Phil versus the Snake Guys. That's my idea. Uh, You know what? That would never work. So I'm going to give you my (laughs) idea. My idea is literally just a soap opera every day, let's just say General Hospital, with Jane Foster breaking up and insulting men on every fucking show. That's it. I'm into it. Honestly, I like her. She's a ball buster. She's like... You think you're a fucking boss? Fuck you. I'm Jane Foster. I can do what I want. I'm fu- If she brings this energy to Thor, I am I'm 100%. 100%. I really want to see her put Chris Hemsworth in his place, much like he was put in his place in this issue. I would 100%. I, I have a feeling that might happen. She, you know, I would be disappointed going into Love and Thunder, and it's all love and no thunder. Like, they see each other like, eh. It's been a while. I haven't seen you since, oh, the Dark World. I can understand now why their relationship soured. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of souring, how would you rate this comic book? I'm going to assume it's not a five out of five, and I don't know what your rating system is, but I'm going to assume it's something stupid and awesome. Something stupid and awesome coming right up, my good friend. I would rate this book on... Uh, the amount of unnecessarily broken windows, because let's face it, there are about 43. And filing cabinets, a lot of shit gets wrecked when Thor's angry. Uh, how many broken windows, unnecessarily broken windows, I would give this? I'm going to give this a 3.5. Now, on my really? first reading of it, I was like, oh, God, this is just dreadful. But I don't know if it's just as it's, you know, I've had my second read through, and we've had a lot of fun dissecting it. I get a much clearer perspective on the book when i can converse with you my good friend because we we see the bright side in all the fucking travesty but i did enjoy it i did enjoy it the second time around not awful amounts but somewhat 
Yeah, we can tell we're not recording on a Sunday night because you are not hungover and miserable per the usual. Otherwise, this would definitely be what I'm going to give it, which is a two unrealistically mm. durable filing cabinets. <laughs> so what didn't you like specifically about this? Give me your top three things you didn't like. Top three things I did not like. Thing number one, Thor is having a hard time with a villain that is fast. That's it. Yeah, he does actually have a lot of trouble with his speed during this book. We didn't mention that when chasing uh, the Cobra back from India to New York, where he runs into Jane Foster and Dr. Dickhead, Cobra's on a plane, Thor throws his mallet, but he doesn't have enough speed and has to create a whirlwind to uh, project him. I'm just thinking about, I don't know how much of the journey, a lot of it, I guess, uh, would be water, but I'm guessing Thor may have destroyed a lot of land with that tornado <laughs> along the way. So that's enough. I mean, I think no, the I want two is, more. I want two more. You want two more? Okay. I want, I, the Mob Squad want two more. We won't divulge into them, but just rattle them off real fast. Okay. Doctor Dickhead and doctors being murdered by their notorious sidekick. No, I don't really know. I think that's the problem, is it checked off every typical box of a Silver Age comic. Let's create a villain for the issue and just have him go away. Have him be something that is a lot more powerful than he is. This is the God of Thunder, okay? I think and rock and roll. <laughs> there we go, we've got ACDC and Kiss now. This is the most heavy metal episode we've ever done. <laughs> Oh, we could talk about Fred Durst, but I digress. Now, we have the God of Thunder against a guy who eventually starts going up against Daredevil, okay? He becomes a Daredevil villain. Daredevil I can buy. Thor should have no problem with Cobra, and he should be able to break out of those damn Cobra cables. I mean, look, we've all killed a snake with a hammer. It's fucking easy, and it's kind of satisfying. I'm joking, Mob Squad, I've never I've never harmed a snake. No, I know what you mean. It's, it does seem like in this era of, of comics, you know, like the heftily into the Silver Age, that villain of the week, and I guess because obviously they didn't explore a storyline through multiple issues, and they always had to top themselves, every issue was just this dumb shit lame villain who was the most mighty menace they've ever come up against. And it's just fucking wearing on me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we're here to do, Mob Squad, is find these so you, our loyal listener, don't have to read them without at least having fun because reading these for serious consumption is not good for your health. So I think we are done this week, Mob Squad, reviewing again another-ish good, terrible comic that we had a good time doing. Thank you, Zach. I will tell everyone here how to reach us on our socials. We are at Multiverse of Bad on Twitter, at Multiverse of Badness on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. And do not forget, Mob Squad, we do have 10 Algorand NFTs of Zach that we will give you for free if you want. As far as how you reach us via email, Zach, how would they do that? It's simple, it's easy, it's fun for the whole family. You can genuinely reach us at... It's just one of those days where you don't want to wake up, everything's fucked, everything sucks, at multiverseofbadness.com. You can reach us at, you don't really know why, but you want to justify ripping someone's head off, at multiverseofbadness.com, and you can reach us at. I mean, do nurses really have to be romantically involved with the doctors that they work for, at multiverseofbadness.com. 
as well as you mess with Limp Biscuit, you can't mess with Limp Biscuit because we get it on every day and every night. You see this platinum thing right here? Well, we're doing it all the time, so you better get some better beats and uh, get some better rhymes. Dope at multiverseofbadness.com. And what is wild, I read the lyrics to Break Stuff. Mike just rattled that off from the dome. He turned his red hat backwards. He was into it. I know that an American guy in a red hat is something to worry about, unless it's Fred Durst or my good friend Mike. But we are making comic books terrible again, Mob Squad. (laughs) So thank you for listening, and tune in next time here at The Multiverse of Badness. True story, I have actually killed a snake with a free weight. <laughs> I, I don't know if you want to have that as the end of the episode, but that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> I'll put it there. It's a, it's a true story.